We're in, the, we're in the middle of our summer series on the Ten Commandments, and uh, I, today is a very interesting one. Uh, we're looking at the fourth commandment on honoring the Sabbath, and this, this commandment here is probably one of the most misunderstood and abused commandments out of all ten. And, and we're going to just straighten everybody out this morning on this very thing, because uh, for many churches and many of you, we've kind of taken this Sabbath, this commandment, and we've kind of run wild with it and maybe kind of taken it places that God never meant for it to be taken. And it's caused a lot of people to live in a lot of bondage and not looking at it as a gift, but looking at it more as, as some type of mandate that we can uh, never fulfill, which brings guilt and condemnation. Let me just say this with the commandments. The commandments were not meant to bring guilt and condemnation on your life. They really, they were meant to bring freedom to your life, to enjoy a relationship with God. The, the Ten Commandments are not, can I get 70% of them right to get a passing grade so I can get into heaven, right? We, we understand that, that, that out of all the, the plethora of commandments that God has given us, all over 613 commandments that God has given us, how many of you know if you broke one of them, you broke them all? It points that there's a holy God and we aren't holy. And there's some demands that God makes on approaching a holy God. So we, we know in our own humanness, there's no way possible we could ever fulfill all 613 commandments alone with the Ten Commandments. And basically the Ten Commandments basically summarize all the 600 commandments that God gave his people. So there's no way all of you, all of us here have broken one of the Ten Commandments. So, so, don't, so don't get all high and mighty and all holy and think, well, I haven't, I haven't broken it. Yes, you have. Because within your own heart, you've broken one of them. And that's what Jesus does. And many times the Pharisees say, we haven't done all those things. And then Jesus looks at their heart and says, have you ever looked at a woman lustfully? Oh, well, then you've committed the act of adultery because it's within your heart. See, Jesus goes right to the heart. So we know we've, we've broken one of them. We've, we've all done it. So how do we please God and understand what the commandments are for? Basically, the commandments are just these 10 commandments are a summary of how we relate to God and this vertical relationship and how we relate to one another in our horizontal relationship. But, but let's get this first. Let's get this down. God knows us better than anyone else. He knows that we can easily drift into sin. He knows what's best for us. He knows how to protect our lives. He knows that sin can destroy our lives. The major issue with our heart is selfishness. The proclivity of our heart is to take care of me first. We're always going to do things. They're going to try to uh, please ourselves. So pretty much every issue that you deal with, whether it's marriage or family issues or church issues, it usually boils down to selfishness. I want it my way and I'm not getting it. And the, the commandments show us that it's not about me, it's about God. It's allowing His glory to be shown through me. And the commandments curtail my ambition to look out for my own interests and it causes us to live in a healthy relationship with God and others. If, if we can get this down, not only is your relationship with God going to be healthy, but it's going to translate in our relationships to one another. Our, our relationships within the family of God, the, the, the family of living word, and also our relationships with our family members, our marriages. It, it, it will change when we understand correctly what the commandments are for. 
And so th- this fourth commandment, we've got to get this right. It's, it's, it's the most misunderstood commandment. It's the most abused commandment. So we either totally ignore it or we totally abuse it. So let's get this right. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to look at uh, the fourth commandment today. And, and uh, this part of, of this section of scriptures uh, spent a lot of time on this commandment. God wanted us to get this right. Actually, God spends more time, about one-third of all the commandments, God spends most right here on the fourth commandment about the Sabbath, which is kind of interesting. And if you read through the Scripture, this should kind of pique your curiosity of saying, God, why have you spent so much verses? You just say, thou shall not murder. Done. Don't you think God would have spent a little more time on thou shall not murder? That's all he says. Don't murder. Okay, that's it. But he spends a lot of times, many verses on the Sabbath. So we better get this right. So let's see what God says here. Exodus 28 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Not that you shall not do any work. You, your sons, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or sojourners who are within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is within them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this commandment is pivotal Because it lies between the vertical relationship that we have with God that Pastor Mike spoke on and I did on the first week and our, and, and our, uh, uh, this relationship, this horizontal relationship that we have with one another. So this is a very pivotal commandment. And I want you to notice how many verses are given to this commandment. God wants us to hear something. The fourth commandment takes up one third of all God wanted to say within these 10 commandments. Now you would think that murder and adultery and stealing would be, give a little bit more attention. Nope. The Sabbath was given the most attention. So to understand the Sabbath correctly, the key we're going to have to understand here is that God desired for us by understanding what the Sabbath meant He knew that this was pivotal in understanding to have a correct relationship with God and having a correct relationship with one another. And so the Sabbath was pivotal in these two relationships to making them healthy. So to get an understanding of the Sabbath, the Sabbath was the last day of the week, and this is the day God commanded the Jews not to work. Now, it's interesting that God brings up the creation of the world. In the creation of the world, God rested on the seventh day, and this was a foreshadowing of the Sabbath rest that God is talking about here. Did God need to rest? No, God does not need to rest. It was an example for you and I to follow. Now, here's what the word Sabbath simply means. It just simply means to rest. That's it. It means to rest, period. So let's get this right. Let's understand what it really means here because here's the misunderstanding that the church has brought out the meaning of Sabbath and where we've kind of gone a little hog wild here and a little off kilter when it comes to obeying this Sabbath. Some would say that according to the Old Testament, 
the Sabbath should be on Saturday. That would be the seventh day. Sunday was really the first day of the week. And so we would say to ourselves, then why don't we worship on Saturday? And, and, and there is one uh, uh, denomination that, that does worship on Saturday. That's the Seventh-day Adventist and many Messianic Jews worship on Saturday. Now, are they right and we're wrong? And, and are they more biblical than we are? And some people would say that they are. So are they right now? Are they wrong? Now, first, let, let's understand. The Sabbath was created for rest. Just get that into your brain. Write it down right on your neighbor's forehead. The Sabbath was created for rest. Where the misunderstanding comes is when we equate Sabbath more with worship. Are you with me here? Okay, this is where we start going over this way. Okay, let's first understand. Sabbath means rest. God wanted his people to rest. God on the seventh day rested from creation. This was a foreshadow that he wanted us to understand. So he wanted them to rest. The problem is we equate the Sabbath with worship when the church comes together, when we come together on Sunday. So what is it? Is it, is it Saturday is it Sunday? Are we doing the right thing here? Let me give you a quick answer. It doesn't matter. Okay, and I'm going to give you some scriptures there because some people would like to argue with this. Well, no, because God said it was on Saturday and we should be worshiping here and you're not being biblical and we are and you're not and we get into this fight about it. I'm going to give you some scriptures here that will disprove that and if someone ever gets into a little confrontation with you, write these scriptures down and you can give it to them, okay? So the Bible, listen, the Bible nowhere commands us to worship on the Sabbath. It doesn't. There is nowhere in that, that commands us to work. It says that we are to rest. It was set aside for rest. So in the Old Testament, understand this, that worship was continual. Sacrifices were made daily in the temple. With that said, I'm going to make things really confusing for you. Are you ready? 830 crowd, because I'm just going to make it just clear as mud for you this morning. What, what go, I want you to understand something here. And I'm going to make it confusing. That does not mean that we can't worship on the Sabbath either. Okay, so let, let, let's get, let's, let me put some things logically here for you. With no work on the Sabbath, it would be an ideal time to come together and worship as the Jews did on that Sabbath day. So let me be clear. We are not mandated to worship on that day. There is no scriptural evidence of the early church or apostles observing the Sabbath as a day of worship. And some of you are like, pastor, you have just messed my whole world up. Good, because I like to mess you up. I like to throw a little monkey wrench into your theological understanding because some things we just get because things are just passed down by tradition and we automatically accept them as, as biblical and, and, and as creed when they're not biblical. And so we need to be careful here when we begin to mandate these things that aren't necessarily biblical. Are they wrong? No. Is it wrong to worship on Sarah Sunday? No. And I'm going to understand why. Let me, give you a little, let me give you a little church history lesson here. The early church emphasized Sunday as a day of worship because it was the day that Jesus rose from the grave. So they met to celebrate the risen Savior. 
So what they would do is they would get up early on Sunday morning and they would come together before they would go to work and they would worship the Lord and celebrate the risen Savior. So this is where Sunday kind of came in to being as a day of worship. Not, listen, not Sabbath, rest, but a day of worship to honor the risen Savior. So some would say this. Some would say, well, the emperor, Constantine, changed the Sabbath or the day of worship from from Saturday to Sunday around 325 AD for the simple reason that he could. Now, what Constantine did was he made it a legal holiday on Sunday so Christians wouldn't have to worship in the catacombs before dawn on Sunday morning and then go to work. So every single one of you should be thanking Constantine for a two-day weekend. Right? Constantine was the one that did that. So that's where we get our Saturday and Sunday, supposedly the day of rest. Now, we all know that that doesn't happen today, right? We work on the weekend. Some of you have to work and you get service job, whatever. But normally, Saturday and Sunday were those weekend days of what? Rest from work, thanks to Constantine. Now, Constantine didn't change the Sabbath of a day of worship. He simply recognized what Christians were doing for hundreds of years prior. So what do we do with this? Not recognize what God has said here in the commandment? Do we just ignore it? What do we do here? I want you to see that there's a fulfillment of this Sabbath. And if you don't, listen, if you don't catch this, you'll miss the whole reason because either you'll fall into this legalistic trap of like, I'm going to honor it on Sunday. I'm not going to do any work. I'm going to honor the Lord. And boy, the world's just going to HL double hockey sticks in a handbasket because they're working on Sunday and blah, blah, blah. And I saw my neighbor who says they're a Christian and they were actually washing their car on Sunday. How dare they do that? Where are we come? So I'm going to keep you from going over here, right? And then the other extreme is we go way over here where we don't honor the Lord at all. There was something about this honoring the Lord. There was something about this Sabbath that God wanted the Israelites to understand that God would be in the correct place in their life, that they would honor him, that they would understand that there is this rest that God wants them to be in so that he would become their fulfillment, not their jobs, right? Not, not their work, not a bigger paycheck because they could have easily worked another day and felt like, oh, if I work one more day, I can, I can get a little more money on the, page, uh, on the table and I can get a little bit more ahead. So I'm, I'm going to work that extra day. God say, no, 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 no. I want you to rest and realize that I'm your supplier. That no amount of work, no amount of a bigger paycheck will ever give you the rest that I want to give you. See, that's the lie we believe. We believe that if I just work a little harder and get a little more and get a more ahead, that I'm going to find this rest and it's going to be easy street and I can kick my feet up and I can get my iced tea with a lemon in it and sit back in my lounge chairs and, and just relax in my retirement. That God's saying, listen, even in that position, you may not find rest. Okay? So, what's going on here? Listen. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath rest. That is what God wanted them to see. It is completed in Christ. The reason why God wanted them to rest 
is he wanted them to say, there is a fulfillment that's going to be done in my son Jesus that you will find that complete Sabbath rest that you will never find in this world. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the Lord of what? The Sabbath. Because even the Pharisees were arguing about him. Well, I see some of your, uh, your disciples and they're doing this and that on the Sabbath when they're not supposed to do them. Jesus says, listen, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He didn't create it, the Sabbath to allow you to go into bondage. He created it as a gift to you to find rest in God. So Jesus fulfilled every demand of the Father. He completed and fulfilled every commandment. So let's get this down. It's not about the day. It's about Jesus and finding rest in him because he is the fulfillment of the Sabbath day. So let me give you a couple passages here. If anyone tries to argue about that point, we'll say, well, we honor it on Saturday. We worship on Saturday and that's biblical. And wow, but people get in these arguments about which day to worship on, whether it's Saturday or Sunday. Let me give you a couple of verses here because Paul kind of just throws a bomb in that whole argument that people were having in the early church and tries to get them to get along and show them the real mean of the, the, the real mean of the Sabbath wasn't to say, look how holy I am and look at all the things I don't do on this day. Right? He says, listen, this is what it truly means. It's all fulfilled in Christ. So, so Colossians 2, right? If you're taking notes, you can write this verse down. Colossians 2, verse 16 and 17. Paul says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you and questions of food and drink. There's a lot of questions about food being offered up to idols and what could you eat, what could you drink, blah, blah, blah. He said, or with regards to a festival or new moon or what? Sabbath. You see, you got to remember, some of, the, some of the Jews were still recognizing some of these Old Testament festivals. And they were passing judgment on the Gentiles who weren't recognizing them. And Paul's saying, listen, don't let anyone pass judgment on you if you're not recognizing these things. Because he says this, listen, this is the verse. Okay, ready? Verse 17. He says, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Christ has fulfilled all these things. Christ has completed the law. He's, he's not come to do away with the law, but he's come to complete it. The Sabbath rest is completed in Christ. You can, just because you're honoring the Sabbath doesn't mean you're honoring Christ. Or doesn't mean that Christ is first and foremost in your life. It was all fulfilled in Christ. Paul goes along in Romans 14, five, uh, verses 5 and 6, and he talks about the same thing on how uh, the Jews and the Jewish believers and Gentile believers can get along in these things and, and how they're not to pass judgment on one another about what they celebrate and not celebrate. He says, listen, in verse 5 of Romans 14, he says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor to the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to the Lord. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor to the Lord and gives thanks to God. He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what day you honor the Lord. That's between you and God. Don't pass judgment on someone that worships on Saturday. Don't pass judgment on someone who honors the Lord on Sunday. 
One esteems one day is more holy than the next, and one esteems this day holier than the next. It doesn't matter. Don't pass judgment on one another. They're all equal, as long as you're honoring the Lord. So for the Christian, Sabbath keeping is a matter of spiritual freedom, not a mandate from the Lord. Okay, I thought that would get an amen, but that's okay. You're still waking up. For the Christian, the Sabbath keeping is not this, have I kept Sunday and done no work and not washed my car and not do us? It's a matter of spiritual freedom that we have now in Christ to worship him and to honor him and to love him. So if you don't want to wash your car on Sunday, God bless you. Go for it. Don't want, if you don't want to do any work on Sunday and you're going to honor the Lord, then God bless you and do it. But don't look over to your neighbor and pass judgment on them because they are. Okay, let's be careful. That's between you and the Lord, Paul is saying here. Christ is fulfilled. So there's nothing wrong with worshiping on Saturday or Sunday. One is not more holier than the other. We should be worshiping God every single day. Every day we need to honor him. So what is at the center of the Sabbath? If we are not bound by it, if it's a matter of personal conviction and the Sabbath seems to be part of the ceremonial laws of the Mosaic Covenant, which, are, which we're not bound to, what is at the center of the Sabbath? At the center of the Sabbath that God has, has given to the Israelites and Moses on Mount Sinai, the center of the Sabbath is all about rest and finding my rest ultimately in Christ. That's the center. Not the day. Not the day. Not about the worship. It's about Christ. It's about finding your fulfillment in Him. Finding your rest completely in Christ. Now, the question is, the question is, what we tend to do as Christians, let's point at ourselves, is we tend to put rules before Jesus because it makes me feel better, because I feel like I'm more like a Christian if I begin to add a bunch of rules to my relationship with Jesus because now I can check mark how I'm doing. Didn't do any work on the Sabbath, went to church, went to Sunday school, read my Bible today, been a good Christian boy this week, and we check mark ourselves and we begin to live by a bunch of rules, but we never find rest. We're living by these rules, but we really haven't found this fulfillment in Christ where we really find rest. And so what man began to do, instead of the Sabbath being a gift to be enjoyed by man, we turned it into a chore like we do everything, right? Right? We take something that's a gift, something that's supposed to be enjoyed, and the proclivity of our heart is to turn into a chore and to turn to something that's regulated, right? And so we, we begin to be bound by this very thing. What man began to do with the Sabbath is they began to add many rules to the Sabbath that became a nightmare. In fact, in Jerusalem today, they have Sabbat elevators. On Saturday, every button will be lit. So if you have to go up to a high, high rise, you'll have to stop on every single floor. So if you've got to go to the 16th floor, you've got to stop at every single floor for this reason. If you push the button, it's considered work. Not kidding. That's not a lie. So if you are Jewish, you will want to go to a non-kosher elevator 
and have a Gentile with you so they can press the button for you and you won't have to stop at every floor. That's what happens, right? So, so here's the question. From going to that extreme of legalism and rules before Jesus, how do we enjoy the Sabbath rest and honor the Lord with our lives so that we find rest in Christ? That, that's the question we need to ask. That's at the core of it. How can we find that rest and honor the Lord and obey this commandment without it becoming a chore? So here's a couple of things I want to give you to help you to enjoy a true Sabbath rest. Are you ready? Here's a couple of things I just want to give you to enjoy a true Sabbath rest. First of all, I want you to see it as a gift, not a chore. I want to see you as a gift, not something that's mandated by God to make your life miserable, okay? See it as a gift. Everything God gives you is a gift. You waking up today and coming to church was a gift. Jesus Christ is a gift that God gives us that we don't deserve or we have earned. God gave us his son to die in our place as a substitute. He gave us his son as a gift to die for our sins so we wouldn't have to, right? That's a gift. We didn't earn it or deserve it. None of you have earned it. It's God's grace that he's given us his son. It's God's grace that he gives you uh, air and, and, and lungs to breathe and to enjoy him. It's a gift. So see the Sabbath as a gift and not uh, something that's mandated, a chore. And, and some of you grew up and the Sabbath was that very thing. You can't do anything. It, it wasn't seen as a gift for rest. It was more of a, a chore. And so Jesus wants us to celebrate with him. And the Sabbath can only truly be enjoyed and truly fulfilled only through Christ. In, in Christ, it will not be burdensome or wearisome. In Christ, we will find true rest. In Christ, we will want to worship God. We will want to find our joy uh, in Christ. And then the Sabbath becomes something that's a gift that we enjoy. And we, we, we want to come and worship God. We want every day to be an act of worship unto the Lord because we're enjoying our relationship with Christ, not something that God has got us under his thumb and we're just waiting for God uh, to, to wait for us to make another mistake and screw up again. God's saying, I want you to enter into that rest and enjoy that relationship with Christ so that every day is a joy with me. You know, well, sometimes we get to the point of our Christian walk where it's just burdensome. And the joy of your walk is, is sucked dry because you're trying to do it in your own strength. And God says, stop doing it in your own strength. There's a joy of being a, a Christian and walking with Christ each and every day. And so the joy that I have in Christ comes from the Holy Spirit that God places within us that I cannot do on my own. And so whatever I'm going through, whatever trial I'm going through, I can still find joy in Christ because he's the center of my life. Not my circumstances, not my job. You see, we're trying to find peace in places that are only temporary. And as wonderful as those things might be, they can't bring you ultimate peace. How much, listen, how much greater can you enjoy life when Christ is the substance of your life? How much greater 
will your life be when Christ is at the center of your life and everything flows through him? Then the things that you do in your life are that much more enjoyable because they're done through Christ. The object is not that thing out there that I'm trying to find joy in. The object has to be Christ. And if I'm not finding rest in Christ, nothing else will give you that rest. That's what God is saying. Honor me. Put me first. I want to give you this gift of rest so that you can sit back and enjoy my goodness and just drink it in and just relax and let me fulfill the desires of your heart when they're placed on me. That's where God wants us to be. So Jesus wants us to celebrate with him. He wants us to glorify him. And the Sabbath can only be fulfilled through Christ. So it's not a burdensome or a worry. How many of you, how many of you, if you went to Disney World, that's a fun place, right? If you've been to Disney World, that, that's a fun place. How many of you, if you walk through the gates of Disney World and Mickey's there to greet you and you got all these rides and, you know, and I, I remember taking our kids there. I remember just taking Lily when she was like four or five years old. Her eyes just were like this and everything was great. She wanted, she got a little autograph book and she wanted all the characters to sign her autograph book. What if I just walked along and said, man, Lily, this is costing me a lot of money. I just want you, I want you to know that your dad is not happy and it's costing me a lot of money and I just want you to know that. And that's all I did all day was talk about how much it cost me. And it's hot out. And I got to go buy a water. And this water's cost me 10 bucks. You hear me, Lily? Right? 10 bucks. It's costing me. So enjoy the water. Right? How many know, you, how many know God did not create the Sabbath to suck the joy out of your life? You know, going to Disney World, you can suck the joy out of going to Disney World by complaining about how much everything costs. Listen, you go to Disney World, buy the Mickey ears, spend 25 bucks on the Mickey ears, wear them around all day and have a good time. All right? Or a goofy hat or whatever you want to wear. Just enjoy it, right? That's what God wants to do. He's given us the Sabbath to enjoy it and you enjoy it when you are fulfilled in Christ. And so that's what God desires us to do. So, so see this as a gift that God desires to give you at any moment, at any day, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you can enjoy a Sabbath rest in the Lord and find your completeness in him. It's got to come through Christ. And some of you here, the joy of your Christian walk is gone. You're tired. You're, you're tired from trying and trying. Uh, that's exactly what the Pharisees in Jesus' time did with the Sabbath. They sucked the joy right out of it, and it, was, it wasn't rest, it was a duty. And some of you, your walk has become a duty and not a celebration. It's become a duty. It's just something you do. Got to go to church on Sunday. Got to read my Bible. And it's just a duty. The joy is gone. And God says, because you're not fulfilled in my son, Jesus. You're putting the rules before relationships. And that's really all the commandments are about. They're all about relationships, how to have a correct relationship with God and one another. So the second thing I want you to see, not only see it as a gift, but see it as an opportunity for you to find rest for your souls. See it as an opportunity for rest. $30 billion are spent every year on stress-related issues. We are stressed out. Can I give an amen? We are stressed out people. There was an interesting book written by uh, uh, Dr. Richard Swenson, a medical doctor called Margins. 
he brought out a really interesting point. He said in his book that 150 years ago, publishers would cram, book publishers would cram as many words onto one page. And the margins of that page would be to the extreme side of the pages. The reason was this, the more words, the more you would get out of the book. But what we've come to discover is this, without margins, your eyes get fatigued and tired and you retain less and your brain fails. We need margins so our eyes can rest. So now a publisher's done something completely different with the way they publish books. And what they've come to understand is that we need, we need margins because our eyes will get tired and we won't retain any more. The more words that are crammed to the page, we're not going to retain more. In fact, we're going to get tired and we're going to retain less. And the point I want you to see here is we all need margins in our lives because we fill so much stuff in our lives and we think, well, I can, I can push that margin out a little bit further in my life and I'll cram a little bit more stuff in my life. And then we wonder why we're so tired. You see, God understood this about us. About two years ago, you know, I was just going through a time. I always go through times of stress, right? We, stress is normal, right? That's part of our daily living. I mean, it's how we deal with the stress because we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. And so stress is part of our daily living. So how do we deal with stress? And for me, stress was getting the better part of me as being a pastor and so on and so forth. So I want to make sure that my health was in, in good order because if I'm not healthy, the stress can take over and I become unhealthy and I become, I, I can't, pastor the way God wants me to pastor. So I said, you know, I want to really take a good inventory of my, of my health. So I went to a doctor that did extensive blood work to see what's going on in my life. And, you know, while I was real tired in the afternoons, I would like crash and burn like 11 o'clock. And I, was, I went to the board. I said, can we put a little cot in my office so I can just take a little nap, a little siesta like they do in Mexico? That would be great. No, I'm just teasing. I was just burned. So I would drink coffee to try to whoop, pump me back up in the afternoon. Some of you are like that. You need the coffee in the afternoon to pump you back. Something was just, my body was off. And so I went and they did this extensive, um, uh, just extensive blood work on. And what happened is that they found out that some of, some of my hormones <laughs> were just out of whack. As you get older, that just happens. That's the fun thing about getting older, right? Just things get out of whack, right? Some of you can say amen, especially some of you women can say amen. I know what you're talking about, Pastor, because it's like it could be 50 degrees in here and you're burning up, right? So you know what I'm talking about. Um, and so, you know, so what happened is here's my story. My story is I was basically burned out. My cortisol levels, my adrenals were so stressed that the doctor said it's like you were pushing on the gas pedal and you had no gas to give. Has anyone ever said to you, you seem so hormonal? You're so hormonal. Yeah, I am. All right? Something's going on in our bodies. Well, let me just explain this to you. The, my, my cortisol levels were just out of whack. And, and basically what cortisol is, it's a life-sustaining adrenal hormone essential to the maintenance of homeostasis called the stress hormone. Okay, just for those of you that like medical stuff, enjoy it. So the cortisol influence regulates or or modulates many of the changes that occur in the body in response to stress. 
So my levels were way out of whack. So that's why I was getting tired. My body had no more things uh, to give. And uh, this is how they can tell if your adrenals are fatigued. And you may be experiencing adrenal fatigue if you regularly notice one or more of the following things. And so my adrenals were just stressed out. They were burned out. And I was just on the verge of just meltdown. And so here's some of the things. You, you, you feel tired for no reason. You have trouble getting up in the morning, even when you go to bed at a reasonable hour. You're feeling run down or overwhelmed. You have difficulty bouncing back from stress or illness. You crave salty and sweet snacks. Okay, that's everybody in this room. That doesn't mean your adrenals are burned out, but this is everybody in this room. We all do that, right? You eat something sweet and then you want something, right? Isn't that fun? When you eat something sweet and then you eat something salty. So I love doing that. Just get, give me dark chocolate and, and, and a bag of Utz potato chips. I'm in heaven right there. That's... That's, that's my crack right there. I'm, I'm, I love that. So, or you feel more awake and alert and energetic after 6 p.m. than you do all day. These are just signs. And so basically, I was out of whack, and I needed rest. Basically, the box says, your body needs, the doctors tell me, Barton, your body needs rest. You need balance in your life. So my body was telling me that, Barton, you can't keep going this way. No matter how much you try to convince yourself, Something's going to break down. And, and so I take a lot of supplements that, that help balance all that. And I'm, I'm feeling, uh, feeling great. And there's a lot of statistics that bothered me about pastors that I read in one book I was reading that 1,500 pastors a month leave the ministry. 1,500. 1,500. And, and most of that is related to stress-related issues. And this doctor looked at me and said, I know exactly what your profession is like. And... and uh, for most, it's one of the highest stressed jobs that are out there. Because for a pastor, I don't check the clock at five and leave the office and leave all the issues there. They're with you all the time. And the burdens of the church and what people are going through, and, it, it, and it's hard to separate that. I need rest. And so if my physical body's not at rest, it's going to catch up with my stress. And that's why you see this horrible statistic. And so how do... How, how, what did I do? Well, I said, I need to have margins in my life. So what I did is I put some margins in my life to make sure that I have some balance in my life. And we all need balance. So I began to ask myself, what, what am I eating? How's my health? You know, am I eating a lot of fried, salty foods that are adding to that stress? I need to find balance there. I, I usually jog four, five, six times a week. It clears my head. I feel better. Um, for you, maybe it's start walking. It's finding times of solitude, finding times throughout the day where you can listen to God, prayer with family, prayer with spouse. I, I needed to learn to have fun. Because what happens is you can get with your family and the stress of your life is so on your mind that you can't even have fun with your family. It's like you're so stressed out. that that's all. And I needed to, to separate what was going on over here and actually learn to have fun again. So the doctor asked me, what do you do for fun? I love to fish. I do. I love to fish. This was my four pound, 19 inch smallmouth that I caught Cuca Lake two days ago. And I beat Wesley this year, my son. So that's all I cared about. So I love to fish. I had to show you, you know, you knew that was coming out sooner or later. I was so glad I caught that. So I love, you can take that down, Marilyn. Thank you. I love to fish. So I, I but the thing is, it relaxes me. I enjoy it. 
and and it's it's something that's that's fun to do. You've got to find something that's fun to do for you. We all need margins in our life if we're going to find rest. So let me sum it up this way. Let, let me sum up the whole message here in this one verse that Jesus gives to us. And Jesus says this to those who are weary and heavy laden. He says, come to me. Come to me. He says, all who labor and are heavy burdened, he goes, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and, and my burden is light. Now, now listen to me, listen. Here's the deal. Here's the reality check. You can work six days or you can work one day a week and still not find rest for your soul. You could fish every day of the week and still not find rest for your soul. You can read your Bible and go to church and try to be a good, righteous Christian and still not find rest for your soul. You can get the right rest, you can eat the right foods, and you can still not find rest for your soul. Those things are good, and we need to be doing those things and exercise, and all those things are fine and will help you. But, but, but these things will not help you ultimately find rest for your souls. In order to find true Sabbath, we have to understand Matthew 11, what Jesus is saying here. In order to find true Sabbath, we must take on the yoke of Christ. And what Jesus is telling us, he's saying, listen, I want you to take my yoke upon you. And you think, wait a minute, a yoke's not a good thing because it's, it seems burdensome. Because for oxen, you would put that yoke on two oxen and that they would plow the fields and it would be burdensome because they would have to work the fields and, and work the soil. But Jesus says, something's different about my yoke. There's something different when you put me on your life. You see, a yoke for two oxen would help them work together. You see, the word there, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, it, it, it doesn't mean that it will not be laborsome. Jesus doesn't say your life is going to be a cakewalk. And what the word really means there, the word takes on the meaning, my yoke actually will be fitting. It will be useful. In fact, it will be better. So Jesus says, let me come alongside you and let me walk with you. I'll work with you. Jesus must be in the yoke with us in order for us to find true Sabbath rest. And so whenever you're walking, you're going to say, Jesus, you've got to come right here with me. And I'm going to put you in the midst of this trial that I'm going through my daily walk. And Jesus, I'm going to walk with you. And in the midst of you walking with me, you're going to find rest for your souls. That's the Sabbath rest God is talking about. Not whether or not you... You don't wash your car on Sunday or not. It's not about what day you worship on. Are you hearing me, people? 
I hope you're getting over this. I hope some of this is, is relieving some of you that have been caught in the bondage of the Sabbath of doing, 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 and rules and don't do and do, do, and all this other things. I hope you're getting, I hope you're finding rest because once you find your rest in Christ, He sets you free. And you're going to honor the Lord in the right way. And when God speaks to your heart, he's saying, listen, I'm I'm calling you to my son's side. Will you come and take my yoke upon your life? Some of you are here today and you're doing it on your own strength. And Christ really isn't part of your life. You've been trying to do the right things, but you still haven't found rest. And Jesus says, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. And you'll find the rest that you're looking for. It's got to start there. Some of you here today, you're saying, well, pastor, I'm doing the A, B, and Cs of all the Christian walk stuff. I'm doing what I'm doing, but I'm still not finding rest because Jesus isn't in the yoke with you. You've been doing the rules, but Christ isn't in the yoke with you. That's why the joy is gone. That's why the rest is not there. Let's come. Jesus says, come. Come just as you are and find rest for your souls. Some of you here today are so stressed out from life and little things just get to you and you snap, right? You just snap. You're irritated. You have no patience, right? You have no patience. It's because Jesus isn't in the yoke with you. You've got to bring him right alongside and say, Jesus, I'm getting in that yoke with you and I'm going to have you walk with me. And I'm going to find my desire and my pleasure in you. And then the things that you do will be pleasing to the Lord. And every single day you can find Sabbath. Not on one day, but seven days a week. I want that. I want Sabbath seven days a week. But Jesus has to be, you've got to be in Jesus' yoke. So Lord Jesus, we come before you. And we need you today. We need to find that rest in you. And you tell us to come. We come by faith and we believe that Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come unto the Father but by you. So we come to you, Jesus, and we need to find that rest. And I pray for every person that's heavy laden and and, and burdened today and needs to find that rest today. I pray that they would find that rest in you today. For those that have never come to Christ, who, who uh, who, who have not bowed their knee to his lordship, Lord, you say, anyone who comes to me, I will no wise cast out. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here today that it's not put their faith in Christ, that they would do that now. We thank you that you can restore us and save us and free us from the bonds of sin that can only come through Christ. I pray for those here today that just feel stressed out, that really aren't finding that Sabbath rest, that they would come under the yoke of Christ today because that's the better way. That's the more fitting way that you will walk with us through whatever we're going through. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you for the gift of Sabbath today in Christ Jesus. So speak to every heart here, I pray, as we just call out to you. As every head is bowed and eyes are closed, say, how many would just say, Pastor, that's me today. I just need to find that Sabbath rest in Christ today. That's you. I just want to pray for you today. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm just responding to Christ. I need to find that Sabbath rest in him today. Amen. The Lord sees your heart. That's the wonderful thing. He knows where you're at today. Just respond to him. As we, um, as we continue to worship today, if there's some of you today that just feel so compelled to come up front and just kneel at the front here at the altars and just pray and, um, you know, you just want to lay some things down, uh, the altars, will, will, they'll be open and you can come and just pray and, and just worship the Lord and, and just allow Christ to speak at your heart. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a rush. Just allow the Lord to speak to you. Just, just ask the Lord, where, where are some things in my life? Let's take it a step further. Where, what are some things in my life that I'm just stressed out about, Lord, and that I need you to become part of? And maybe it's just recommitting your life to Christ again, just saying, Lord, come. I just come under your yoke again today and um, help me to find your peace again today that I so desperately need, and God is faithful. Jesus is so faithful to come to your side and to give you the rest that you've been desiring today. Amen? Amen. Let's stand as we worship, and uh, let's just thank the Lord for his grace. God bless you.
Lord, as we just <clears throat> stand in your presence today, we there's nothing that compares to what we find in Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that you are for our, our, our good. You, you do all things, God, well and perfect. And so, Lord, I pray that we would come under that covering today. And as we just go now, God, I just pray that that today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, we would find Sabbath rest in Christ. That it's not going to come from a hobby or from anything else, but it's going to come from Christ that's going to help us to enjoy those things so much greater because the balance comes from doing them in Christ and seeing it as a gift and not a chore. So God, just may we go in you now and, and, and just find that rest in Jesus. Thank you for being the Lord of the Sabbath. And so, Lord, we, uh, we need you, and we need your guidance each and every day in our life, and we need your help. We need faith to serve you, and we can't do it without you. So we admit our weakness. We admit that we're dependent on you, and we thank you that our strength and our strength alone comes from you, that even in our weakness, you are strong. So we pray that you'd go with us now. I just pray a blessing over every marriage and every single person here today, God, uh, Lord, that they would be strengthened this week. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Praise God, amen. God bless you. Go in God's grace today, amen. Have a wonderful day.